0: As musicians, we have such an opportunity to learn from each other. The way that I've been able to grow as a musician, as a creator, as a business owner, is by surrounding myself with people who know more than me. Surrounding yourself with people who know more than you is a huge hack to be able to to grow as a musician and even person
1: hello everyone and welcome back to this new episode of the hustler musician this is your host alessa ray and if you are a musician or you want to learn all the secrets that requires being a musician from promoting or writing your music to networking this show will definitely help you And in today's episode, we will be talking about how to finish that album. This is something that I personally struggle with it a lot because literally one song might even take me months because of different reasons. Sometimes I get writer's block. Other times I have a hard time deciding lyrics, melodies, or whatever reasons or, or even get bogged in the criticism. I guess this is something that happens to a lot of people. And obviously deadline is the main way to go. But not only in music, actually not only this applies to music, but it applies to everything in life. For example, my deadline this year was to survive by myself and that's why I am relocating to London in less than a week wow, probably this is the worst time ever because of COVID and all that. But I see this as an opportunity. For me, it is the best time, actually, even though people might not agree with me. And my life is about to change. And I am very, very, very scared. And I am struggling with focus right now. I am barely dedicating myself to music. And the the goal today is that it's all about focusing, it's all about deadlines, it's all about productivity. And this conversation was really helpful for me. And even it was like a therapy session. And I truly believe that a lot of hidden musicians feel like me because they even have a nine-to-five job or they have a family. And, you know, a lot of people, we all have a lot of things to do in our life but that's we still need a fine time to make music and the main reason why I am doing this podcast I know that I've said this a lot of times it's because I love connecting and meeting people and getting inspired I love the chance that I got to meet people like Connor or Philip or Elliot or Lauren And next week, I have an interview with Nate O'Brien, who is a huge YouTuber. And, you know, doing this is literally giving me the chance to surround myself with people that I really want to be like. The crazy thing is that when I started this show, I thought that no one will listen and anyone will be down to collaborate with me. Who am I to do this podcast? But apparently I did something right because Connor, who is the one who's going to be with us today, he found me on Spotify and reached me out to be a guest. And he's a perfect example of what a hustler musician means, which this is everything about it. And Connor Frost, he's a musician, an educator, an entrepreneur, and he helps Hidden musicians to finally write and release their first album without having to abandon their careers. Can you imagine this? Connor toured all around the US, Asia, Canada and he released seven albums in less than a decade. Today he owns his own business called Frost Forward Learning. Anyways, without further ado to the guest Connor Frost. Hello, welcome to the show. Thank
0: you for having me, Alessa. Thank you.
1: So why are you a hustler? Tell us about your story.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I come from a family of musicians, so music has always been a part of my life. And after working full-time as a teacher for two years, I kind of made the decision that I really wanted music to be a bigger part of my life. So I left my full-time teaching job and was like, you know what, I'm just going to try and piece, piece things together. So I think in that time was uh, sort of when I first started uh, really hustling because it was this period where I needed to make things work outside of having a nine-to-five job, right? During all that time, I had started my band, uh, Dizzy Bats, which is still still running. And that was a kind of a a separate hustle, but also related because I had rearranged my lifestyle to better accommodate that aspect of my life, obviously, because I wanted to do music more. In doing that, I started to go on tour, started to record fairly regularly. There was a couple of years where we were putting out something every year. So just made the adjustments to kind of accommodate that hustle. You know, altogether really pushing the education side of things, the tutoring side of things in order to support to support the music. And then the tutoring became its own business. Um, as I started to get more clients, I created my own education-based company, which was very much me just kind of being self-employed, Frost Forward Learning. And that grew really, really quickly as soon as I sort of made it official. Um, and then that kind of became my my full-time sort of uh, hustle that allowed me to continue to do music to the degree that I wanted to. So, now we're here and I've started this new venture which I think is uh, kind of this combination of all of my experiences from teaching to to the music side of things where I help hidden musicians to finally write and record their first album. So, really helping that musician who's maybe feeling reluctant, feeling blocked to unlatch them so that they can write record and release their music into the world so that's where i am now and and it's led me to being able to talk to you which is fantastic
1: so tell me about your business how did you get started and how are you helping musicians with their album
0: A year or so ago, I think it was a year, maybe a year or two ago, a client of mine, a guitar student of mine uh, brought up this idea of like life coaching and and told me that she thought it would be something for me to look into. And I had no idea what that was. It like did not sound real. It did not sound like a real thing. But after I did some research into like the coaching industry, I came across this idea of like mentoring as well. And in stumbling, stumbling across that, I kind of realized that it could be something that's cool fusion of everything that I've been doing. Right. So from the teaching to the music, to be able to like fuse these two things and continue to help people because I I legitimately enjoy uh, helping people. Uh, So then I hired a business coach to kind of help me flesh out uh, this, this overall idea. And we settled on helping the hidden musician just based on my experiences um, the fact that I had really done everything on my own in terms of my music and really paved my own way we felt that you know this would be a, a cool niche to kind of focus in on and i think just the idea of helping someone come out of their shell and release something that's so like so powerful and so personal to the world to be able to like be a part of that was uh, an idea that was was very exciting to me you know led me to creating the business
1: You know, how do you know if music is for you? Because, you know, sometimes we have like nine to five jobs and we don't know how to distribute our time and we don't have that much time to dedicate to our craft. Right. So uh, how do you know if music is really for you? How do you deal with that, with all the things? I think in
0: a way, and it sounds really cliched and apologize for that, but I think in a way it, it chooses you, right? I think there's this this notion that it's like, Oh, you're, you're choosing to go into music, right. Or you're deciding to, you know, in some cases you're deciding to like, uh, abandon a stable lifestyle in order to pursue your art. And I kind of don't see it that way. And, and maybe my, uh, maybe my experience is unique, but I really don't think so. Like when I was thinking about leaving my full-time job to do more music, it, it wasn't really a choice. Like there was just this feeling of like, well, clearly this is in my blood and it's something that I need to explore, you know? And I was like, kind of, I was like killing myself with, with the late night rehearsals and trying to balance a full-time job and everything. It just kind of spoke to me. I was like, you know what? I, I, this is something that I I need to do. So in a lot of ways, I think you know if music is for you, if it truly feels like it's something you can't live without, right? And I remember my my trumpet teacher for many years in college, he always told me, he was like, if you can do something other than music, you should really consider doing it. But I think it's the people who can't really imagine doing something else or they want music to be a part of their lives and they can't help but can't help that fact in a way it chooses you
1: how do you finish an album because it's like so much time so much work and i've seen that you release seven albums in 10 years and that's actually a lot sometimes you can spend like months only in one song right so How do you know when you have to finish?
0: Yeah, I think for me, I've always worked well with deadlines, Mm -hmm. right? And And I realize that deadlines are, it's kind of like a polarizing concept. But I've always worked well with deadlines. I think for me, what's helped is I've never really done any at home recordings. Mm-hmm. Like I've always hired a producer and a sound engineer, and always recorded in a studio. And I think that sort of forced me to like book studio time and be like, okay, this is when we're recording the album. Like this is when we need to finish the album, oh right? God, that's so um,
1: true. Mm-hmm. You
0: know, like, I, I think that a lot of people get stuck
1: because they don't book, right?
0: Yeah. And they're recording at home. And it's like, wow, the the, the possibilities are endless. You know, and they can tweak and tweak and tweak for days and years and never release anything, right? So I think for me, having that, that fixed space as well as deadline has really helped. I think there's also a relationship with, quote unquote, good enough that musicians struggle with and that I have really learned to grasp, right? So I think the search for perfect in anything you do is a search that will lead nowhere right like i would argue that perfect like does not exist right so if you're searching for something that does not exist you're going to be running in circle so i think there comes a point where it's like you need to make a decision about that chorus you need to make a decision about that verse you need to make a decision whether or not that song is going to be on the album and that is going to be an uncomfortable decision and Uh, you may never know if it's going to be the right decision. Like you probably won't ever, but you need to just make that decision and move on. Um, And that's really hard. That's really challenging, you know, especially if, Again, you have the resources where you can just you can just tweak and tweak and tweak. You may never put out that album, so finding that balance is is definitely a struggle, and that's something I work with my clients.
1: If someone doesn't have a budget, what can they do? Mean well.
0: So what I would recommend for someone who doesn't have a budget is to start with maybe releasing like a demo. Right, So you can create a demo even in just like GarageBand, right? Using GarageBand, create that acoustic demo. Maybe it's just guitar, vocals, piano and vocals, and just like get full song ideas complete, right? Get them in some sort of form. You can use those demos to like get get shows if you want you can release those demos as like kind of an unofficial first release just like get something out there that is representative of who you are as an artist right because that's going to be so powerful to be able to get that out into the world it's also going to give you clarity as to the the musician that you are the kind of songwriter that you are so that would be my suggestion is like start with start with a demo You know, you can spend a couple hundred bucks on a nice mic if you want. You can, uh, if you can outsource like the mixing process, right? If you can send it to a producer, sound engineer to mix the tracks for you after you've, you've tracked on your own at home. I think that's an important first step.
1: You know, another thing that has helped me when I don't have a budget and when I cannot release songs is just working on songs, but getting feedback totally from people that I trust, obviously. I mean, at the end, nowadays, musicians have to be DIY Mm. because no one is going to care more about your business more than you. Musician must be DIY now nowadays.
0: And 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 part of the DIY ethos, I think, is bringing people on, right? Like you're talking about, like bringing people that you trust for feedback, for maybe an extra layer of accountability. And I I consider that to be DIY. It's like yes, you're bringing in other people, so it's not, I guess, technically do it yourself, but. You know, like the CEO of a company, you know they're gonna hire. You know they're gonna hire employees, right? They're gonna bring people uh, into their team. So I think that's actually a huge part of like quote unquote DIY is bringing in people you trust into your creative process um, and creating those systems of accountability, right? And I think that's another benefit to like working in a in, in a studio that's that's not yours is because. Having that second opinion, whether it's another producer, sound engineer, whatever, having that opinion can be really beneficial, right? Because otherwise you might just be stuck in your own sort of thoughts with no real way to like bounce ideas off of people. So I think what you're saying, bringing in people that you trust, that's a huge benefit. But I do think that there's just such value in bringing in other ideas. But, but people, but musicians have trouble with that. Like, uh, I had a, uh, I had a client uh, last last fall, was kind of helping her break through some of her blocks in terms of her songwriting, and she was saying that she doesn't like the idea of like bringing in co-writers because she's afraid that if she did that, then the song would be less her, right? It wouldn't be completely hers, and that made her a little bit anxious, right? So there's this this notion that oh if you bring in other people like it's not yours. But I would push back against that and say no you are just uh, you are just adding um, voices to your idea, right? You are helping people or, or people are helping you to arrange a certain song, give you another voice. But it's still it's still yours, and ultimately you're choosing who you want to bring in, which is also part of the process.
1: I, th- I can totally relate with that. And uh, it was so hard for me also, because I, I remember that I was in school as well. And I would go to experts, even teachers to show them my idea, the and they will totally change. And I felt mm-hmm. that it was not me anymore, and that I was not creating anymore. But right. I would say that that's, that's a good thing, because the teachers and the experts are taking you from your comfort zone, because mm-hmm. otherwise, you're never going to grow, you know, if, if they totally. don't change. And if you, if they don't shake you, you're never going to grow. And then after that experience, you can do another song that probably, yeah, it's still yours, but that you're taking their feedback and that learning from the previous uh, song that you did with them.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I mean, as musicians, we have such an opportunity to learn from each other, you know, and I think sometimes ego can get in the way, right? um, Of people being able to do that. But like, the way that I've been able to grow as as a musician, as a creator, as a business owner, whatever it may be, is by surrounding myself with people who know more than me, right? Like, if you you are the person in the room that knows the most out of uh, anyone else, like, how are you going to learn from that, right? So Surrounding yourself with people who know more than you uh, is is a huge uh, is a huge hack, right? To be able to to grow as a musician and even person, it may not even be that they're they're quote unquote smarter or better than you, but they might just have a different voice, right? Their brain might work in a different way that that comes up with different ideas than you would, right? So to be able to like open your mind to other possibilities can really strengthen your art as a whole. But I think like being open to constructive criticism is really important and not just in music but like a lot of people are not, you know, they get super they get super insecure um, really defensive, um, and ultimately, that's that's a problem. It's it's tough to grow if you're not willing to accept constructive criticism.
1: What is the difference between being busy and being productive?
0: So the uh, the main message of it is that busy does not equal productive, right? Like I think it's very easy for us to drown ourselves in mundane tasks, whether it's related to music or otherwise, to convince ourselves and trick ourselves into thinking we are being productive, right? But productive tasks help to move the needle, whereas busy tasks don't necessarily do that. So if you're spending a lot of time on administrative stuff, maybe it's related to your business or it's related to your, your music, right? Ultimately, that's busy work. And that's not necessarily like moving you and progressing you forward because it's taking you away from the creative side of things, which really allows you to grow. Right. So, kind of an example, a couple years ago, I feel like I went through this stretch of writer's block. And the way I dealt with it was I just buried myself in this like busy work. So, like, I did things like I uploaded a lot of like our past like show footage. I like uploaded it all to YouTube. I like, Revamp. I like revamped and tweaked. Like our website. I I was just doing a lot of, just just busy kind of like nonsense work. And the reason I was doing that is because I didn't want to face the fact that like I wasn't being as creative as I should or could be. So instead of like working through these blocks, I was just tricking myself into thinking I was being productive. And it's a real problem. And then finally, one day I was like, you know what? Like, I just need to write. And I know I'm feeling blocked. I'm feeling insecure about my writing at this moment, but I'm just gonna like work through, I'm gonna will my way through this heap of garbage and just get to the other side And we'll see what happens. Um, And that's what I did. I worked with my uh, drummer uh, weekly. We recorded 13 demos, 10 of those we brought into the studio, and now we're set to release our album later this year. So uh, when you focus on the busy work, what you're doing is you're tricking yourself into thinking you're being are productive but really you're but really you're just on this hamster wheel of doing you know nonsense work and to because sometimes that busy work is important but it's like there's got to be a balance and if it's taking you away from the stuff that helps you grow then ultimately it's it's not serving you you know the way it should and honestly the dream and this takes a while and, and I'm just starting to get there but the dream is to be able to outsource some of that busy work right so like we started uh, the last couple of years we've had someone else book our tours for us right so getting someone to be able to book your tours for you or someone to run your social media right so the the, the dream you know is to be able to like kind of uh, this works in business as well the dream is to be able to like outsource uh, some of that busy work
1: <laughs> and actually that busy work can give you even more writer's block right
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, because you're not doing anything to break you out of that block or to to break through those blocks because you're just, again, you're just tricking yourself into thinking that you're being productive, but really you're just uh, drowning yourself uh, in, in more mundane work.
1: So, you know, sometimes you're creating, but ideas are not coming Uh, Do you think you're still productive, even though the ideas are not coming?
0: Yes, because I think that, you know, you have to think of this as like a long game, right? So like maybe the ideas aren't coming then and there, but going through the process of trying to break through those blocks as painful as it is, like you never know, like that process could be helping you. Kind of down the road, right? Like maybe that session where that's painful, maybe that's helping you, you know, uh, a couple months down the line to come up with an idea that you wouldn't have come up with had it not been for that painful session, right? So I think that, yeah, exercising your creativity is super important regardless of like how painful it is, right? And there are non, I, I do think there are non painful things that you can do, like journaling, for example. Right. That's a relatively like low a low out low creative output activity that you can do, right? Because you're basically just like anything that's coming to your mind, you're you're broadcasting right out into your journal or whatever else. So that's a really good exercise because you aren't putting pressure on yourself, or you shouldn't at least be putting pressure on yourself to be creative. Like you're just trying to get your thoughts out there, right? I also think reading. Is another great thing people can do if they're stuck, right? Like there are so many times, especially now in quarantine, like where I, I find myself reading more, which is which has been really great. Is like if I don't feel inspired or I'm feeling stuck or whatever, even just reading for like thirty minutes.
1: What about podcasting?
0: Podcast, pod, no podcast too. Absolutely, podcast too. Listening to podcasts, any sort of any sort of uh, uh, consumption that's you know uh, not totally mindless like television you know so yeah like podcasts and books can really like exercise your brain and and open you up to new ideas when you're feeling stuck
1: you know many people when they don't feel creative they say i don't want to force it i don't want to force it what do you think about that if ideas are not coming should they force it
0: um so i i totally get that feeling and i've definitely been there myself um i think there's a balance right like if you don't want to force it quote unquote i think it's okay to put an idea you know to table an idea to step back but like if you're if you're in this loop of constantly just saying i don't want to force it i don't want to force it i don't want to force it and then 3 years pass <laughs> right <laughs> 3 years pass and you haven't created anything um then that's a problem right so so I think that's where the, the and you know, and that's something I went through, you know, I said, Oh, I don't want to force it. I want to force it. And, and, you know, and then finally, one day, I was like, you know, what? maybe I do need to force it. Um, so yeah, I think as long as that there, there's self awareness there, then then it's fine. But that's where I think doing activities like journaling, reading or co writing, right, collaborating with someone else, uh, maybe like playing. In a band that where you're not writing, but you're at least being, ex- you know, exposed to like other musical ideas. I think that can be really good, you know, uh, I, I think is is a way to go. But yeah, you just got to be careful, of <laughs> you know, you just got to be careful because, you know, three years could pass and you're still in the same position. And I think that we tell ourselves that, like, I don't want to force it. I don't want to force it because we're we're afraid of what might come out or yeah to face it and we're afraid of like what might come out or not come out right like we don't want to deal with we don't want to deal with this idea that like creativity is not fun like that's terrifying to us but it's like maybe sometimes it isn't fun like maybe maybe there are going to be times where you know we we have to just kind of battle through um so yeah it's definitely a balance
1: i also read about music outlets in your blog
0: Oh, like, fi- like music as an outlet? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I just think that music is a form of self-expression, right? And therapy in a lot of cases, you know? And I think that we've been given this gift to express ourselves in a way that is so unique and beautiful. To not exercise it can be, it just seems sad, to me, you know, because it can be such a powerful, powerful tool um, to work through your emotions, to feel better, that it, it can just be such a great, yeah, it can be such a great outlet. And a lot of people I've talked to, whether they're, you know, they're, they're uh, clients or just friends or, or whoever else, a lot of them said like, yeah, like music is my therapy, you know like if they're working a nine-to-five job they come home and they play guitar for two hours like that is their outlet right that is their way to kind of blow off steam their way to unwind Um, and that I just think that's so powerful and I think we all have this we all have a right to self-expression and if we have music at our disposal to do that like that is a really incredible thing and we should feel very lucky that we have
1: that you know, sometimes a lot of people have like nine to five jobs, then they come to their homes and they are exhausted. And that can be a resistance for people to stop doing music. Totally. What habits do you recommend them to have?
0: I think there's this pressure that people put on themselves to like create or play music every single day, right? Like you hear a lot of experts say that they're like, oh, you got to do it every day. You got to do it every day. And I... I I kind of push back on that a little bit, you know, because I think ultimately that's just not feasible for a lot of people. And if that's the pressure they're putting on themselves, then ultimately they're setting themselves up for failure. So my advice to someone who is in uh, a nine to five job uh, like I was not too long ago is to really schedule times in your week. Where you feel like you could have one or two hours, like uninterrupted, where you can devote your time to music, right? Because I actually think that a focused, like two or three hours, is gonna go a long way. Versus just like trying to, you know, daily kind of get in there and you're like exhausted trying to trying to get your music in just for the sake of saying that you you did. Right. So I think picking like one or two times during the week where you can really devote your devote yourself to your music, I think is a, a much better system for someone who is in a nine to five. Because it releases that pressure of like, oh, I got to do it every day. I got to do it all the time, which is just not necessarily sustainable or feasible.
1: (laughs) Have you ever done any nine to five job that was not music related? Yeah.
0: So my when I was full time teaching, I was teaching both. Music as well as Mandarin Chinese. I speak Mandarin as well. In a sense, that was music related because I was teaching. Part of my job was teaching music. But yeah, and then soon after that, I transitioned out of that to do more teaching and and more hustling. Before that, I mean, in high school and college, I worked at uh, Friendlies. I don't know if you're familiar with Friendlies, but it's basically like it's basically like a glorified McDonald's. And I was a server there starting my senior year of of high school. But other than that, a lot, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my non music stuff has been related to teaching has been related to uh, education. And now of course, mentoring being a server for a few years there. um, That was definitely, definitely an interesting experience. And I'm, I'm so happy that I had that experience, but I, you know, I don't, I don't miss it. Let's put
1: can a musician set up goals in order to be realistic to be more productive is there any precise way where they can set up goals
0: i i love i love that you asked this question because i've recently had a shift in thinking so i used to think that you really need like a a two-year plan where you you kind of map out all of the different projects that you're hoping to get done. Um, And after talking to a lot of people, reading some books, I ultimately decided that that's maybe not the best way to go about things. I actually think setting weekly, maybe monthly goals is far more beneficial. Because I think what happens is when people set these really long-term goals, they start thinking, they, they, it changes, A. B, they start thinking about the finish line before they've even started. They don't think about like, okay, what can I do right now? you know whereas with the weekly and monthly goals that's a little bit more about being in the moment there's a really good book i read by Brian Moran it's called the 12 week year and the general the general premise is you can accomplish a year's worth of stuff in a focused 12 weeks Right. I think this there's, there's this notion that like you need to be working on something for a long period of time. And I don't I don't necessarily necessarily think that's true. So in terms of goal setting, my recommendation is to each week set three different things that you three different tasks that you want to get done by the end of the week. And you don't even need to schedule them necessarily, but just schedule just, just pick those three things that you want to get done by the end of the week. And then at the end of the week, give yourself like a check-in like, okay, what did I get done this week? What didn't I get done this week? And uh, kind of go on from there. So I've had a shift shift in thinking going from the idea of the long-term goal, which I would argue maybe is not the best course of action and really thinking more short-term.
1: Mm, correct. Cause yeah, long-term, especially sometimes you go to job interviews or whatever. How do you see yourself in five years? I mean. How, how would you know that you, you would have totally,
0: to- I mean, we've, we've been conditioned. We've been conditioned to, to, uh, think about the future, right. To save money. Uh, yeah. To uh, think about, Oh, where do I want to be in five years? We've totally been conditioned. So mm-hmm. to focus on the short-term goals kind of, uh, goes, is, is a counterculture almost. I think this daunting nature that comes with like not reaching a goal right? Versus not completing a task, Mm. right? Like if we don't complete a task, Mm. I think we need to, I think we need to ask ourselves like why we didn't complete the task, Mm. but like, it's not going to hold the same weight of like, oh, I'm a failure because I didn't reach my, my long-term goal. Right. So I think that's important too, is just setting yourself up in a way that pushes you, right. But also allows you to keep taking action. And that can be a tough balance for sure.
1: Yeah. So basically the way you've been productive all these years for releasing all your songs and all that is focusing on that, basically, right? Focusing on totally. tasks, on weekly goals. You, you I mean, be more focused on the short right? And completing tasks.
0: Yeah, I think that's totally true. And to be clear, you can have, obviously you can have visions of wanting to release an album or whatever, but the key is to focus on the task at hand.
1: On the now.
0: Right. Exactly. Like if you want, if you want to start a band, right? That's not going to happen out of thin air. Like you need to think to yourself, okay, what can I do right now Mm -hmm. to make that a possibility? Mm -hmm. Right. And maybe it's emailing anyone and everyone I know and asking if they know of a guitar player who's interested in playing music. Like maybe that's the first step. Um, so I think that having these, these visions, it's totally fine and that's natural. And to an extent you should have them, but the focus really needs to be like, okay, what can I do right now?
1: Can you talk about the toxic question? what do you do
0: <laughs> yeah so the the question is what do you do and this is the question that everyone asks whether it's a first date or whether it's um or whether it's at a party right and and our immediate reaction is to uh is to describe what makes us money right and that and that's really what people are asking right so like In a lot of people's minds, if you are making music, but you haven't actually made money from making music, like that's not "quote unquote" what you do, right? That's just that's just a hobby, right? That's that's what that's what they say, which is another toxic phrase, which we can talk about some other time. Um, So, yeah, this idea that like what makes you money is what defines you, and I just think that's so wrong and sad. You know, because like a job, like let's just say you work 35 hours a week, like that's only part of your existence. So, how is that going to be what defines you as a person? You know, and I think we're so obsessed with labels that it's like, oh, I need to know what this person does so that I can like wrap my head around like who they are. There's this weird obsession that we have. And uh, the fact that that is like the first question that that comes to mind is is so interesting. You know, it's not like, what are you interested in? Like no one ever asks that question. No one cares. No one cares. It's a reflex. And and again, I, I'm part of the problem. I'm not suggesting that I'm like above any of this. <laughs> like I am 100% part of the problem. But yeah, no one cares what your interests are or your passions are. You know, people are interested in in what uh, in what makes you money, and uh, because that is uh, living in this capitalist country and society, like that is somehow somehow down the road, that is what created this marker of success is is how much money you make or how you make that money, and I think that's just uh, I think that's just too bad because it ultimately discourages people from pursuing things like music they think to themselves oh it's not going to make me money right it's not going to pr- impress mom or dad mm-hmm. it's not going to allow me to find that you know perfect partner whatever the reason may be mm-hmm. the fact that like it's hard it's quote-unquote hard to make money and it is really hard yeah. but uh that keeps them from from pursuing art and that that to me is just uh, uh it's just it's just too bad
1: you know, and that's very related with imposter syndrome because all those negative mm. things, toxic questions and all, everything, that creates imposter syndrome because imposter totally. syndrome is it's it's fed by a negativity. What do you say to your students when they have imposter syndrome? How do you deal with that, even with yourself?
0: Yeah, so uh, it's a very – I think it's a very challenging thing to – even identify sometimes because there can be so many different layers to um, having um, imposter syndrome I think uh, what I what I say to students of mine is you first need to ask like the why like why are you doing what you're doing why are you creating music why are you making art right and if the answer isn't if the answer isn't because I love it or I'm uh, making it for myself, Right, that's where there's an issue. Right. If you are making music or creating art for anyone but yourself first and foremost, that's where I think disappointment can happen. To those students, you know, I really just challenge them on like, okay, why why are you doing this? Like what is what is the real purpose? And if the purpose truly is for yourself, you are making art for yourself first and foremost, then nothing else should matter, right? Like how people receive your music, like that should be a bonus, right? That should not be the reason you do or don't do something, right? So that, and that can be a very tough conversation and, uh, you know, it can take years obviously to, to grapple with this idea of, of imposter syndrome. But yeah, I think like really dissecting and asking like that, okay, why are you why are you doing this uh, is important.
1: What are for example the things everything that you teach in your mm-hmm. in your course? What are everything that you teach? You of course you are mentor, but what are other things that you teach as well?
0: I think the the art of uh, like organization and allocation of energy is important, right? Like Again, it was similar to like what we talked about earlier, uh, busy work versus like productive work. Like, there was uh, someone I was working with uh, last fall, and he just had way too many projects. You know like he was in a band, he, um, he wanted to like, start a, a private teaching practice, He had a solo project. And in working with him, we had to go through each project and really be like, okay, what, what is most important to you? Cause that is where you should be spending your energy. And also like, you need to be spending energy on things that you can actually control. Right. So like he was getting a little bit discouraged by certain things that were like happening at his day job. Right. And those things were affecting his, his art, right. We're affecting his creative output. And it's like, okay, let's, let's talk about that. Like, let's talk about that thing that's happening at work. Like, is it serving you? And if it's not, like, is it possible to just let it go? Right? So it's just so crazy how with something like music, which seems very tangible and like separate, it's so uh, a part of everything else in someone's life. So ultimately, like, if someone is having trouble making music, like it's probably coming from from a, a different place that like is seemingly unrelated to music. Right. So I think that's a lot of what I uh, teach is, okay, where can, where can we be spending your energy so that you can ultimately uh, create um, the way you want to create?
1: Prioritizing because you can have many projects, but totally, you know, one thing at a time it's, it's Okay fine with, with having many projects, but it's like focusing on one thing at a time, right. And finishing. Yeah.
0: And, and totally. And not letting, like not letting that situation at work really, uh, affect you. Because if you're, if you're letting that affect you, you know, it's going to have a negative ripple effect, you know, and it's hard. I'm not saying, I'm not saying any of this is easy. Just for also, uh, to, to, elaborate a little bit on the question, you know, what else do I teach? Um, I provide a little bit of introduction into like uh, booking, uh, booking your own tour, and also like running your own running your like DIY PR campaign. So you know, if, if someone's interested in like, getting their band out on the road, or uh, doing like a solo tour, you know, I provide them with the the steps, like a very, a very comprehensive, like step by step process as to like, how to do that, how to follow up, how to make sure you're getting the best possible shows, um, this and that. And then for the DIY PR campaign, really being upfront about like, okay, if you do a DIY PR campaign, there's a good chance you're not going to get on like these huge blogs, Mm -hmm. but you will find these like mid tier blogs that are willing to feature your music. And it's not even so much about like finding a new audience as it is about just uh, coming across uh, your music coming across to your own audience in like a professional way where they can like read about your music and everything that you're doing um, so I, I introduced that uh, to them as well. There was this belief for a while that like you know getting PR was all about oh like oh getting the getting that you know gold right up mm-hmm. so that so and so could de- discover you and and maybe that's and maybe that's true um, but I think PR at least for us, has been more about just displaying you know, our work in a professional way that our audience and potential audience members can consume.
1: Is there something that you want to promote?
0: So once again, my name is Connor. Um, I help hidden musicians to write and release their first record without having to abandon their careers. Um, I've put together a special link, actually, Um, so if you go to connorfrost.com, C-O-N-N-O-R-F-R-O-S-T.com slash the hustler musician, you can contact me directly via a contact form. And in return, I will give you a checklist and guide, which will help you to, uh, start and and or finish your song, right? So it'll be a checklist to really get you uh, to that that finish line um, in terms of that song idea. Um, And from there, you'll have the option of booking a 30-minute, what I call just start one-on-one session with me, where we will outline three action steps that you can take right now so that you are uh, creating music in the moment so that's the best way to get in touch with me also instagram at connor l frost c-o-n-n-o-r-l frost is a good way to contact me i respond to dms and all that um, so you can link up with me there as well
1: thank you so much connor for coming to our show bringing us so much value so here are some takeaways of what you just said number one Music chooses you. If it truly feels that it's something that you can't live without, then it's for you. Number two. The way to finish an album is by booking. Deadlines or booking are the key. Number three. If you don't have a budget to release music, start with a demo. Get full songs ideas complete. Number four. A huge part of DIY is bringing people that you trust to your creative process, creating that system of accountability. Number five, surrounding yourself with people who know more than you is a huge hack to grow as a musician and even as a person. Number six, being open to constructive criticism is really important. Number seven, busy does not equal productive. Eight. If you feel that ideas are not coming, you're still being productive. Exercising your creativity is super important, as painful as it could be. Journaling, reading, and even podcasting can help you feel unstuck in your creativity. Nine, music is a form of self-expression and therapy. We all have the right of self-expression. Number 10, setting weekly and monthly goals and completing tasks is much more beneficial. Thank you so much, guys. I'll leave you with a song of mine and see you next time.